You're listening to Breaking Biz Dev with John Tyerman and Mark Wainwright. Conversations that break down, beat up, and redefine business development for the professional services firms of tomorrow. And now for your hosts, John and Mark. Hi, gang. Today, we are going to talk about good and bad marketing in professional services. And Mark, part of the reason why I think this is going to be a good episode is because I see so many bad examples of marketing from professional services firms. Agreed. There's plenty of bad stuff going on out there. I think everyone recognizes that, but I think there's plenty of opportunity for a lot of improvement. But yeah, this is part of you know how we're going to break up and beat up BD, right? We're going to make sure that people know that there are some bad marketing practices buried in that big pile of BD that we need to tease out and improve. That's right. And this is a two-part series. We're going to be talking about good marketing and bad marketing. And our next episode will be on good and bad selling in professional services. So you'll want to tune into that episode as well. Mark, let's anchor ourselves around this uh, marketing and sales continuum, which we've talked about um, on past episodes of this podcast. And I think this is a great way for listeners to orient themselves into what we're talking about here. So imagine a scale from one to five, where one is um, exclusively marketing activities, marketing responsibilities, and sales is on the other end of the spectrum in the, in the five category. So that's where um, their sales activities and responsibilities live. Yes, hopefully people can picture that sort of continuum, that the two are connected. Uh, but I think a lot of times we find that everything just gets kind of dumped in the middle. We're not really sure which way to go with it. Today, we're going to focus on, focus on the marketing uh, end of things, so the ones and twos, right? That's exactly right. Let's dig into bad marketing, right? This is the, let's hear the bad news first. All right. So, John, we were, we were talking about this in our prep. We had a handful of sort of high-level bullet points here. I'd like to maybe introduce some of those and get your, get your spin on them. So, number one, bad marketing. You know, what's driving bad marketing? A lack of a plan or lack of patience. Mark, you know this. Sales cycles in professional services are typically long, right? Right, right. Well, marketing cycles are even longer. So you need to have a plan rooted in data, and you need leading indicators that roll up to those revenue-based KPIs, key performance indicators, excuse me. And it, what I mean by that is, yes, Marketing should contribute to revenue. But marketing is not going to contribute to revenue right away. And I think that's the big mistake that a lot of firm leaders, um, they think that, that marketing is going to have a direct impact on revenue within a month to three months. And that's just not the case. Now, there are ways to tell if your marketing is on track. So if you have a plan where within the first three to six months, you're going to measure performance based on leading indicators, then I think that that will set you up to for success because you won't be making the quarterly herky-jerky decision to totally reshift your marketing strategy every three months. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. So the sales cycles, like you said, are long, months long, 
these marketing cycles can be much, much longer, and it requires a ton of patience. Especially if your firm is investing in thought leadership, because it's going to take time for that thought leadership to gain visibility in the marketplace, um, and you need to have a plan in order to execute on that. The next bullet point you have listed here, poor user experience. Yeah, so marketing's job is to generate leads for the sales team. Shocking. But in order to do that, especially online, users need to have a good experience. And not just online, but a good experience interacting with representatives from your firm if you're talking to prospects at events. So I like to think, um, and I'm borrowing a, um, a product design concept, um, the three-click rule, right? So when a user goes onto your website, they should be able to find the information they seek within three clicks. And if they can't do that, that's a benchmark for a poor user experience. Another example of poor user experience is contact form friction. So if you're going onto a firm's website and there's 10 fields you need to fill out on a contact form, including your phone number, then chances are prospects are going to say, you know what, I don't want to be cold called. So in this phone number field is required, I am not going to fill, fill this out. Another point of friction, let's say that they do fill out that contact form and then they submit, but they don't hear from a representative for another 48 to 72 hours. That's a poor experience because the momentum is lost. That handoff between marketing and sales is clunky. Makes, makes total sense. And I would say uh, it doesn't matter what type of professional services your organization um, is involved with. Uh, your, your general marketing experience for the user uh, should, be, should be seamless, right? It should be straightforward. They should be able to, individuals should be able to, to, to get together with your brand online, understand what you do, have it be very clear, get the information they need, and, and move on. Okay, next one. Messaging is, a, is, is too much about the company, the organization, right? It's all, about, it's all about us. And that's where a lot of firms get this wrong. Um, <laughs> newsflash, buyers don't care about you. They care about what you can do for them, right? Um, and so your marketing needs to be reflective of this. And a good test to see if, if your messaging does this well, um, how much first-person language are you using versus second-person language? So are you saying I, we, and us too much? And is that out of balance with how many times you're saying you and your in your marketing copy? Because those words are very important. Um, they're very important to building empathy with your with your audience. So a lot of times I see, and this is this is firms like to do this with case studies, where they say we achieved this result for our client, when in fact the case studies are more powerful when they're reoriented. Where here's how our client was able to do X, and of course you know your buyers know that you're you're the ones that are helping them because this is a case story that's on your website but the point is is that the client is the hero of the story so that's just one example of of that agreed all right next one 
the company brand positioning is based on assumptions. Yeah, so in professional services, all professional services firms are in the business of expertise. When I worked at Hinge, I was leading the research services, and we, we saw this all the time. We would get into a conversation with firm leadership, and we would ask them, okay, well, what makes your firm different? And they would say, oh, well, we have the best people. We're trusted advisors. We offer a turnkey solutions. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard those three same things from firms across the board. It doesn't matter. AEC, accounting and financial services, consulting firms, they all say the same thing. We have the best people. I like it. And I, 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 think, it's, I think it's totally true. Uh, I see different, different professionals, different experts move from firm to firm to firm, a little bit like trading cards. Uh, but yet, certain certain firms will will proclaim specific expertise or, like you said, the best people. Um, yeah, big claim, big claim, great, good one. Okay, last last bullet point on bad marketing here: lack of a content strategy. Even when firms recognize that marketing is different from business development, they still don't fully understand what goes into marketing, especially online or digital marketing. And um, I think a lot of times firms mistake a content strategy with just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, I, I see a lot of blog posts and articles being published to professional services websites as a reaction to industry news. Um, and then I see them being posted inconsistently and it doesn't seem like there's a coherent strategy around it. And so I think that's, that's one of the big misses. Um, a lot of firms want to invest in SEO, and they think, okay, well, that starts by doing keyword research. Well, keyword research is a part of it, but you really need to understand the topics that your buyers care about and how that overlaps with the services that you offer. And that overlap there is really where the sweet spot is, um, Another part of a lack of a content strategy is a lack of a distribution plan. And what I mean by that is, okay, how are we going to create a core piece of content? And then how, does, how are we going to reformat that across different channels like LinkedIn and email and a podcast or a webinar or a PDF or um, a digital PR campaign? Makes sense. So posts are reactionary. People have at the top of their heads, we have to create some search engine optimization through the use of keywords, but they don't go any further. They're not, they don't have a plan on how to distribute this content. And they just, they're just focused on, on, on one, one channel, one way to communicate to their, to their audience. Got it. Got it. Okay. We have beat up marketing. Let's talk about, let's talk about some good marketing. Let's do it. Okay. First bullet point, good marketing. Company brand positioning is based on research and client feedback. Yeah, so in contrast to the poor brand positioning that's focused on um, whatever the opposite of differentiators are, uh, we have the best people, we are trusted advisors, 
you know, good brand positioning goes beyond that to understand, okay, what does the competitive landscape look like? And where is the white space opportunity for our brand to be positioned in a different way than what our competitors are saying? So understand that's that's kind of like step number one is understanding what the landscape looks like. And then going out and soliciting client feedback to understand what the functional and emotional value they receive. And so let me let me break that down a little bit. So functional value is is something is it'll save me budget. It'll save me time. It's something it's a value that's tangible to me. It's 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 like logically I'm going to do this because of this. Emotional value is a little bit different. And this is where I think a lot of firms miss the boat is okay, how does this service help the point of contact that I'm talking with? How does it help them professionally? Does it make them look good, right, to their boss? Because ultimately, we want to work with a partner or a service provider who's going to help me accelerate in my career. And so that's just one example of how um, a professional service can have an emotional impact on the buyer. Right. So kind of a blue ocean positioning, right? We want to swim to where the sharks are not with your the, the, the white space out in the marketplace makes total sense. And then actually going and talking to clients to understand, and you called it functional and emotional. I will, I often refer to those things as tangible and intangible value that they have received. Okay. Good marketing bullet point. Number two, good marketing packages content in various formats. People learn in different ways. Right? Great point. So you might learn very well by going out and reading a book, whereas someone else might not be able to retain information by reading a book. Maybe they need to go to a speaking engagement and hear someone speak. There's different ways that buyers will learn about the challenges that they have and how to solve them. And that's kind of the core part of marketing is educating buyers, but buyers learn in different ways. So if you're only putting out blog content, on your website or only making PDFs, then you're missing about two thirds of the equation because I was looking at um, podcast statistics and uh, LinkedIn put out this study, um, 44% of directors and senior executives listen to podcasts among um, LinkedIn users. And I thought that was a pretty wild stat. And what, But what that does is it shows you that these people are learning in different ways. And so if professional services firms aren't doing audio and video in their marketing, then they're totally missing, missing out. I love it. I absolutely love it. And the, 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 the really powerful thing about that point is it's less about our organization needs to create all these different types of marketing pieces, some videos, some social media, whatever else, because we, we have to just fill up those different channels. With, with stuff. It's less about that. It's more about the audience. It's more about focusing on the audience and saying, oh, people actually learn it, learn things differently, so we have to be able to address those needs. I love that. It's all about the buyer. Good marketing number three. Right, We need an effective content strategy. Yeah, so I think this kind of goes to your point that uh, you were making just now, Mark, where um, it's not about filling up those channels. 
It's about the source of the content. It's about what you're saying and why your audience should care. And so if you're creating that content, you need to have a pillar source. And so many firms do this really well with webinar series, right? They'll do monthly webinars. They've, they have an engaged audience. But what's, what's unique about webinars is that content can be taken and broken up into little video snippets. It can be repurposed onto podcasts. Um, if your pillar source of content is a research study, you could do a webinar where you're talking about the, those research results. And so what happens is you have a pillar source, and then you need to have a plan to distribute the, the contents of what you're talking about in different ways. So you can distribute that pillar content on search, on social, email, um, training business development or sales professionals on how to talk about these topics in person or with, with prospects, um, creating a digital PR campaign around a singular topic. So these are different ways just to distribute the topic that you're talking about. Great. And that pillar source that you're referring to is that um, the, when you're saying pillar source, that is sort of the original central piece of information that you break up, shorten, lengthen, whatever else into all these different formats. Makes sense. Makes sense. Good marketing. Bullet point number four, strong individual personal brands of experts. Time out. Time out. Let me jump in here. You're talking about organizations need to spend time and help maybe individuals build these personal brands? That's exactly what I'm saying. It's important because people trust faces more than they trust logos. In my time at Hinge, we called these folks visible experts. I love that term. We spent years studying what makes an individual expert prominent. What happens is these people create visibility for their expertise. And not only does it attract new business opportunities, but these experts who are out there, they actually can command premium fees from doing so because they've built up this, this aura, this brand for themselves. I like it. I think it's a, it's a fantastic point. And, uh, you know, my little anecdotal comment on that is just that that just happens too infrequently. I think organizations don't recognize how important it is for individuals, individual experts, visible experts inside their organization to, to put their point of view out there, to get out there. So fantastic one. All right. Number five, our last bullet point around good marketing. We've kind of touched on this in the past, but it's worth just hammering this one home, John. Messaging is all customer-centric. You know, people don't want to be sold to, per se. They want to be heard, and they want their challenges to be recognized first before they even entertain the idea of solving them. And so I think that's where a lot of firms get this wrong is they talk about themselves and they use complex language um, and it's just confusing to buyers. So the extent to which firms can have messages that are simple, easy to understand and focused on the, the buyer, um, that's, where, that's where messaging is, is uh, there's a sweet spot there. Well stated. And, and I have uh, recommended 
um, to organizations that I have worked with in the past to take, uh, let's say, you know, a lot of firms I work with create written proposals that they have to submit. Um, just go through your proposal with two different highlighters, one blue one and one green one or whatever, right? Read through your proposal and highlight everything that's about you in blue and everything that's about the client, somebody else, them, in green, right? And see what you come up with, right? You got a lot of blue and not a lot of green, right? You're way out of whack there. Sure, you need to talk about yourselves. But on balance, the vast majority of content in any piece needs to be about the buyer so they can build this, build this empathy and this connection. Totally true. I love it. All right, so we just spent the last you know, 10 minutes or so beating up on marketing and then really bringing up some really good activities, practices uh, that we think are good marketing. I think that's a, maybe we call it a day. Yeah, that sounds good, Mark, and I'm excited to jump into our next episode. So folks that are listening to this episode right now, we've got another part two to this series called Good Selling, Bad Selling, where we dive into the sales end of the marketing continuum and what that looks like for professional services firms. Until then, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Breaking BizDev. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or listen to the show at breakingbizdev.com. This episode was produced by Red Cedar Marketing. If you think a business podcast is right for your company, visit redcedarmarketing.com to learn more.